What is up, Bitcoiners? This was an absolutely stellar episode of the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. I had an awesome panel of guests talking about all things Bitcoin in Latin America. I had Diego, the co-founder of RSK, the CEO of IOV Labs and Riff Infrastructure. I had Max of Money on Chain. They are building a pro-Bitcoin, Bitcoin-backed dollar stable coin token on RSK. And I had Maurizio from Tropicus.finance and they are building, uh, you know, leverage and lending and all of these other finance uh, primitives that are necessary in order to have a more complex financial institution. These gentlemen are on the ground in Latin America, on the ground in the Spanish-speaking part of the Bitcoin ecosystem, and they have been evangelizing for a very long time, building for a very long time, and now it's undeniable with the El Salvador news, it is time for Spanish-speaking Bitcoin to have the spotlight, and the world is looking at El Salvador, and these gentlemen know what is happening on the streets much better than here. Uh, us folks here in the U.S. or other parts of the, of the world, uh, they are on the ground in uh, Latin America and they are making Bitcoin adoption happen. I think you guys are going to love this podcast. Before we get into it, I want to tell you about the deep dive from Bitcoin Magazine. My man, Dylan LeClaire, he is an absolute legend. He has been putting together some really, really fantastic articles, analysis, daily updates on all the things that are happening in the Bitcoin financial markets, things that are happening on chain, everything Bitcoin market-based. He is on top of it. He's talking about the best news. We are giving out a free one-month trial to his amazing work over at Bitcoin Magazine. Go to premium.bitcoinmagazine.com to sign up and use promo code BITS in order to get one month for free. And y'all, if you are trading Bitcoin, if you are trying to increase your stack, if you're just trying to learn more about what is the most important thing happening in the market, you need to sign up for this newsletter and you need to sign up for Dylan uh, to follow him on Twitter. And, you know, if you're not going to want to pay for the newsletter, go follow Dylan on Twitter at BTCization. He is just dropping knowledge nonstop. He's really the man. Uh, and the deep dive is high quality shit. But until then, have a great day and listen to this amazing podcast with Diego, Max and Maurizio about Bitcoin adoption in Latin America. Bitcoiners, on the, uh, you know, aftermath of the groundbreaking news of El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender, um, I am lucky to have and host this fantastic panel of movers and shakers, people on the front lines of bringing Bitcoin and cryptocurrency to South America. Um, I am sitting here across from Diego, the CEO of Riff and RSK, Maurizio, the CEO of Tropical, and Max, the CEO of Money on Chain. Um, gentlemen, I'm so excited to chat with you about the El Salvador news, about what is happening in South America and what is happening on the technology that you all are building. So uh, without further ado, let's just get into some brief introductions and then we can dive into reactions about El Salvador. Uh, let's start with you, Maurizio. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, tell the audience a little bit about what you're building and then uh, we can go from there. Yeah, for sure. My name is Mauricio Tovar. Thank you very much, much Christian, for, for inviting me. It's, a, it's an honor uh, to be here with, with Dieguito and with Max. Uh, I've been in the space for the past uh, six years, starting understanding the value of Bitcoin. But to be very honest, in the first two meetings that I went, I didn't understand anything. But I have an academic background and works. So I started to do some research with my, with my team. And we found also the smart contracts and we start to work on, on Solidity in Ethereum. And um, a year ago, we started a, a company, a consulting company, and looking for all the, the problems that are, we are facing, the founders of, of uh, Tropicus.finance, that it's a startup that, that we are uh, starting right now with, with our founders. Some, some of them uh, or some of us uh, have some very critical problems around the access to credit 
And uh, for example, our CTO, whose name is Angel, uh, he's been mm -hmm. trying to have a, a loan for buying his house for the past three years, and the banks, the banks have been rejecting him uh, systematically. And also, I have to pay my master uh, study two times, and uh, the loan, and, and, and I can do it because I paid early. Um, and Diego, who is from Spain and lives in Colombia because he's married with a Colombian, he have a very expensive love because he's losing his his money is losing a lot of value if you compare it with the, with the euro. But also in countries like Colombia, and this is a fact, a recent fact, uh, it's legal to charge fifty six percent of of uh, micro loans by financial institution, 56% of annual uh, interest rate. Uh, so we found those problems and we found uh, RSK that, it's, uh, the, that takes the best words, the, the best of Bitcoin and the best of Ethereum, who we have experience developing in for the past five years. And we developed these solutions that trying to not only uh, offer better, um, and more fair loans to Latin Americans, but also to incentivize Bitcoiners to yield their Bitcoins and at the same time to help Latin Americans to access to that for a fair loan. So uh, yeah, that's that's uh, Tropicus and that's it. Thank you very much. Maurizio, again, excited to have you on and to get your to get your uh, on the ground knowledge. Let's go to Diego next. Diego, I mean, I don't think you really need an introduction. Uh, you know, started RSK. I remember watching you in Miami at North American Bitcoin Conference when it launched. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris, and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm also the I started in in Bitcoin in 2012 and started creating the the Bitcoin community in Latin America now in also Iberoamerica with Spain added to, to the communities. Um, and also I'm the co-founder of RSK. Um, so, so clearly we have been waiting for, for this moment no? where Latin America finally is picking up and, and we are seeing Bitcoins uh, becoming more and more of, um, you know, connected to the financial foundations of the region. No, that was both both projects, both uh, the NGO and RSK, I started with my co-founders with the aims of uh, bringing Bitcoin to Latin America and making it useful for everybody. No? Because Bitcoin as a reserve asset, it's very important. It creates a neutral reserve asset um, that is not attached to any political faction. But it's not enough if you want to serve everybody, because 80% of the population cannot store value for medium to long term. No, so you need, um, you know, you need to connect this with the stable assets to have all the financial services that people need, and and that that is the work we have been doing on both sides, on the NGO, the Bitcoin Latin America and Iberoamerica NGO and on RSK, like building the technology and helping an ecosystem grow that will provide these financial services. And, and Mauricio and Max are great examples of this, you know, ecosystem that keeps growing and bringing, you know, to Bitcoin the full, all the features that we need on a full-fledged financial system. No? Yeah, no, I, I love it. And it's just, it, it, it's something that happens in layers and then gradually and then suddenly. So it's it's exciting to see a lot of the hard work starting to pay off. Max, uh, Money on Chain has been on fire. Um, you know, I remember I, I heard about the project maybe like two years ago. Um, but, you know, again, it takes time. Uh, welcome to the show. And why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you. Well, I, I am Max Carcusa. I've been in the space since... Um, I think like 10 years ago. Uh, we started Manion Chain three years ago. We thinking about that Bitcoin is the best collateral that you can have to make a stable coin. Uh, at the same time, making a stable coin that uses Bitcoin as collateral is a kind of uh, give Bitcoins, to, to let the masses use Bitcoins, because you can use Bitcoin for a, a lot of things, but um, general public is not very comfortable with the volatility. As, as uh, Diego explained, when 
when we Bitcoin is great for long-term money, but it's not so good for short-term money. So with the dollar on chain, we try to create this, well, actually we create this short-term money backed by Bitcoin. And to make this happen, we created another token that is called the BitPro, and the BitPro is a token that lets Bitcoin holders to earn, uh, to increase the amount of sats they hold. Yeah, so I mean, again, two-sided marketplace. I know Mauricio is trying to to uh, bring Bitcoins online onto RSK uh, by bringing that kind of incentive to earn more sats and money on chain is a way to do that too, as well as you also have a, a third token, right? Uh, the Bitcoin, the 2x Bitcoin. Yes, the 2x Bitcoin is not actually a token, but it's a 2x position in the price of Bitcoin. It, it works like a token, but actually it's not a token. And then we have a fourth token that is a MOC token, that is a token to govern the platform. Yep. All right. So that's where it comes full circle. Um, the full, you know, the emerging DeFi stack on RSK. And again, just advocates for Bitcoin in general. Uh, gentlemen, I want to talk about your reactions to what is happening in El Salvador. I want to start with you, Diego. Um, you know, when you heard the news in Miami, um, did you expect it? You know, what what was the first thing that came to mind? I mean, I think we we all were expecting this for many years, but we didn't know who was going to be the first mover. No, it's like we there's something that is, I mean, small jurisdictions, uh, you know, they they have more more to earn than to lose by doing, uh, you know, more audacious moves no it's like uh, so so we were expecting like a small i think el salvador is six million people i mean it's not that small but but what i mean is like the smaller countries always have like more more to gain from uh making these changes because the the status quo is dominated by the, the big powers of the world so so they have a they see an opportunity we didn't know who was going to be the first mover. And there are other small jurisdictions that have been working a lot on, on the regulation frame, regulatory framework and things. But yeah, I mean, it was a very happy news. At the same time, I think, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be connected. I mean, Bitcoin alone, as we were describing, it, it was, uh, it's not enough if you want to really run the, the nation's economy. So. But at the same time, I'm happy that this this is happening in a place in a moment where the the RSK ecosystem has reached certain level of maturity where it can bring solutions to this problem. So so I think it's like it's a huge opportunity for the RSK ecosystem. We have been working, uh, you know, for six years in building the the as as you say all these layers. No, because it's like having smart contracts like the the economic coordination layer on top of bitcoin secured by the bitcoin miners then having stable assets that don't have uh counterparty risk or third-party risk like uh money on chain is providing so then you have a dollar that is pegged and backed by by bitcoin and has full conversion uh via protocols so you don't need third parties to actually exchange a dollar on chain for bitcoin and, and backwards so that's the bridge between Bitcoin in El Salvador, for example, and a stable asset or low volatility economy. And then you have the the financial the basic financial services also built, like what you know Tropicos is building in terms of lending, borrowing, then you have sovereign also providing margin trading. There are other protocols coming. So I think and then you have the risk protocols that scale all these things and, and make it easy to use so so people can have the same experience. They have with the neo bank, but on fully decentralized infrastructure secured by Bitcoin. So, if you ask me, it's like on one side I say, "Oops!" Like they made a bold move, and I don't think they understood all the dimensions of bringing like a full country into Bitcoin at once. On the other side, I said, "I'm very happy that this is happening now. If it happened like three years ago, I don't think we would be like ready to offer solutions and help." And indeed, I'm talking with the majors of, of 13 cities in El Salvador and, and basically starting like educational, an educational process. And, and then the idea is to bring the tools and the ecosystem to help 
in this process, no? So, so yeah, I mean, I was very happy, surprised, happy, like, uh, and worried a little bit as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think in general, um, I don't think that anyone in El Salvador, especially not the leadership, knew how voracious and excited the Bitcoin community is. And I feel like all eyes have been on El Salvador now for almost you know, three weeks now. And uh, it hasn't let up. There's just more and more people going, you know, fleeing in and other countries are taking notice too, you know, and I think that they, they're seeing an opportunity. Um, yes. Yeah. Back to you, Diego. Mm -hmm. No. And I think this is creating a crack because you, you have the big policymakers of the world, like, pushing for policies that are completely anti-crypto. Like, you know, one thing is a travel rule where it applies to financial intermediaries and you, and I think that's the right way to do it. It's like you work with the, with the financial institutions, the regulated financial institutions, but now the, the latest policies are making crypto, like uh, any peer-to-peer -peer transaction in crypto, you know, be require the same compliance as a bank interacting with another bank, which is crazy. So. You know, the, the, the El Salvador move is happening at the same time. We see a lot of pressure basically to stifle the innovation that Bitcoin is bringing to the world, because that's the only reason I can think of, you know, making policy make policies that are impossible to fulfill. You no, know? it's like uh, you do that because then you have a hanging sword on the head of everybody that you can use at any time. Uh, so I think this is a crack and, and other countries will follow and, and that tension Will happen and then regulation will need to to you know to give up at a certain level and of course technology will need to comply at a certain level no this is a this is a dialogue between the status quo and and these new innovations but but it's great that we are in this process i think that's a great take um maurizio i want to jump to you what was your reaction i know you're in miami too yeah, it was a surprise for, for me and no doubt that it's an, a, an amazing news for, for the Bitcoin ecosystem around the world. But, but I think the challenge is to make this a good news also for, for the people of the El Salvador, because there are also a lot of challenges implementing this, this law. There is a lot of limitation of the access to internet, there is a lot of limitation to access to, to smartphones, the education to use technology, the, the financial education, it's, it's very uh, important. And uh, I think we can also convert those, those problems and challenges in, in an opportunity, but we have to join efforts to, 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 to help not only the people in Salvador, but in general, the, the Spanish speaking people uh, to, to understand better how they can benefit with Bitcoin and, and with the DeFi for, for Bitcoin ecosystem in, in, in this case. But first, I think we need to, to understand uh, the needs of, of the people uh, to, to see what, what they are seeing about these uh, of, of the people of the Salvador seeing what, what are their, their problems and how we can help and how Bitcoin can, can fix that kind of, of, of problems. I believe that the RSK ecosystem can play an important role on, on this. And uh, another aspect that, that I think that is key is that we need to empower people because th this is start with the, with the politicians. I, I have a lot of experience with, with politicians and I, learn to not trust a lot of, of on them. And I think that if we, we can help uh, to the people of El Salvador so that these movements becomes a citizen movement and a community and a private move, uh, movement, it will be great for, for the future and to uh, like uh, give less power to the, to the politician. I think that, that that is what we can help and that's one of the reasons why I'm going to the Salvador in the next days. Yeah, I mean, just to follow up on that, you know, what are you going to be doing in your trip? Just talking with with the, for example, the Bitcoin Beach that was is the part of of, of the the El Salvador in in, in El Sonte that starts. It, they are like a community that are transacting, paying with with Bitcoin for almost two years. And the president saw that uh, that was the inspiration for them, for, for him, for, 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 for the law. 
so I'm going to to go in there to to talk with with them, to talk with the regular people. Uh, maybe we will do some meetup. And yeah, my, my idea to is to understand very well what is happening there right now that they have the the law, and to understand how we can help, how how Tropicus can help in that. Uh, regard and uh, yeah, it's to learn, understand, and see how uh, can we help. Awesome! All right, Max, let's jump to you. I want to get your take on the groundbreaking news of El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender. Well, I, I was very excited to 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 know about that the big news. Um, I think that Salvador is a great country to do this because they are a small country um, and they have they don't have their own currency. They are using uh, US dollars today, so that put them in a unique position. Um, I think uh, nothing, nothing can go wrong with this for El Salvador. Um, I think they are going to get um, some foreign investment, for example, in, in mining and probably in financial services for the people. Um, I think that it's very important to educate people uh, about Bitcoin in particular and cryptocurrency in general in, in El Salvador. Um, we have um, the responsibility as a community to uh, give that information to people in El Salvador. Awesome. And are you planning a trip down to El Salvador at some point? Oh, yes, definitely. We are going to El Salvador before. Let's the go together, Max. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I didn't get to <laughs> Sorry? So, yeah, let's go together. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Let's do it. Let's coordinate the trips. There's people from the community already there. We have been talking as well. So I, I think we... I'm, I'm curious if any of you have any thoughts about the law itself. Uh, I, I saw, you know, people from Coin Center in the United States didn't like that, you know, it was making Bitcoin legal tender in a way that it was like people were required to use Bitcoin um, and accept Bitcoin. I'm just kind of curious, what are your, if, if any of you have any kind of thoughts on the actual bill and the implementation? I think well, maybe Max uh, can. Uh, a reaction uh, uh, almost like three or four days later, I started thinking about, well, but forcing people to accept Bitcoin is not why I joined this community in the first place. But after all, they are not forcing people to accept uh, Bitcoin. People uh, can convert to US dollars if they don't want the, the Bitcoin. The government will put a, a mechanism in place. And if the government doesn't make a good job doing that, well, they can use money on chain and, and get away of the, of the Bitcoin volatility. Okay, so um, people have options. That's Max's opinion. Um, any other, like, it, you don't have to focus specifically on the forcing of, of use of Bitcoin, but Marito, Diego, do you have any thoughts here? No, I think my, my first reflections were in the same way. It's like we are, we got into Bitcoin because we want to provide people freedom. So any imposition is a little bit against the, the ethos that, that we are chasing. Even if we think that, Bitcoin as a reserve of value is the best reserve of value in the world. We don't want that to impose on anybody. We want people to choose because they understand the consequences of like uh, having Bitcoin uh, as a neutral and open reserve of value. But at the same time, when you do look deeper, you know, people have the, op the option to, to move to other assets, stable assets and, and stay in Bitcoin only if they can do so because they can store it for longer period of, of time and they want to do so and if you think about it it's like it's much easier to move from bitcoin to something else because of its digital and global nature than it is to move from bitcoin to sorry to move from the dollar to something else so in that sense given the the frictionless nature of cryptocurrencies and bitcoin 
Um, and, and if you use layer two solutions like RSK, Lightning, you know, the, the very low cost of operation, then, you know, it's, it's great because then people will choose, actually be able to choose freely. They, they are not restricted to, you know, because if you want to use the dollar in Latin America, usually you need to, well, it needs to be accepted or you need to go to third parties to, to exchange it for the local currency. In the case of El Salvador, as they were already in a dollar-based economy, they didn't have the intermediation, but still was more restricted. With Bitcoin, they can go anywhere in the world. They can exchange it for any asset they like. And that will come with some learn, learning lessons as well, no? Because I think, yeah, you need to understand where, if you know, this freedom will come with some learning lessons in terms of like people buying something else with Bitcoin and maybe if it's another cryptocurrency of not the same quality, you know, there might be some some problems there. But yeah, I think it's, it's a process that, that we need to go through and the society needs to learn more and more about these things. Uh, and the, the, is the price for freedom, if you want, is, is knowledge. You have to develop knowledge. No? Absolutely. Um, Mauricio, I want to give you a chance at this as well. Did you have any like thoughts regarding this? And, and maybe as the follow-up here is also, um, as you all are, are advocates for this technology, I'm sure you'll have conversations that potentially might lead to loss in other countries. You know, how would you take lessons and guide them? But go, I'm going to go to you, Mauricio. Um, what, what's your feedback on the law itself? When I read the law, the law I was um, surprised because it was very specific and short. But at the beginning, I said, this is a good law. It's, it's like a very fair law. And it's, um, um, but after that, I, I start to see like Max, like two, two days later, uh, some specific things like it, it was something like mandatory in one article, but in other article, uh, the law said, uh, it's not mandatory for the people that cannot uh, access the, the technology or, or, or the different mediums to, to, to use it. But I have to confess that when I uh, first uh, um, heard about, about uh, uh, the, the announcement of the, of the president, because I was in the conference, but, but I was in a meeting. <laughs> so I, I, I wasn't in, in, in the exactly the, 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 the moment that the, the, the president appears in, in the conference in a video. I, I was reading about some topics about El Salvador and I saw some news about uh, some um, actions that was uh, a little like dictatorial from, from, from that president. And my first thought was, oh, uh, why this country, <laughs> you know? Because th there is some suspicious about that uh, uh, actions of the of the president, but uh, also there is another version about the president that is a very young people that is trying to change uh, change uh, some things in in the country. Uh, but yeah, uh, to, to summarize, uh, I think that uh, for being a very short law, it's it's a good one when, when you read it uh, at the beginning. But yeah. Uh, I was first like uh, very concerned about the past of, 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 of the president, the recent past, actually. That was my, my first like uh, thoughts about it. Oh, I think, Rhys, you are you, you mute. Yeah, no, <laughs> so I wanna jump in and uh, I apologize uh, to, to change the subject, but I do want to get all of your takes on this, uh, but I, I guess let's start with you, Maurizio. Based on your understanding, how far, like, what is the penetration of Bitcoin understanding, uh, approval, acceptance, like in South America, in Latin America right now? Um, you know, obviously things are happening on the ground and there's a need, but like there's also a massive informational kind of barrier to actually adopting this technology. Um, wh where do you think uh, the continent is right now? Yeah, I think that. The understanding of Bitcoin and crypto in Latin America is, is easier than in other regions like US or, or Europe. Uh, the reason is because it really solves it really solves problems that, that we have in, in the regions uh, that the other regions don't, don't have. We have uh, some like uh, common problems in different countries in, in Latin America, but we have also some uh, like uh, differences. For example, 
we share problems to access to financial services, as, as Dieguito mentioned uh, just a, a minute ago. Uh, but also, uh, we have a lot of, uh, more specifically, in, in access to credit. Um, and uh, for in, in some countries, we, we have different problems, like in Venezuela or in Argentina, the problems of, uh, of the inflation that Dieguito and Max can talk more about it. Uh, but yeah, when would you have those kind of problems, you're looking, the people are looking for options, you know, and Bitcoin and crypto makes more sense here to solve that kind of, of problems. Uh, and that's why, for example, uh, Colombia in, in local Bitcoins is the third uh, uh, market in, in volume around the world. And Venezuela is the second uh, one. Uh, because there's a lot of Venezuelans living here in, in Colombia, like the diaspora of Venezuelans are mainly in Colombia and they're trying to send money back to their relatives in, in Venezuela. Uh, though that is one of the reasons why between Venezuela and Colombia, we have 25% of the total volume uh, of uh, local Bitcoin according to local Bitcoin. So yeah, I think that it's very easier to understand uh, in the in the in, in a population that have that kind of problems and is different than than other regions. I think that was very thorough, uh, Diego. Do you want to jump in with uh, with your take on uh, on education and penetration of of Bitcoin understanding and acceptance? I, I think if you, in terms of uh, we used to do something in the early days of Bitcoin that was asking people randomly in the street if they knew about Bitcoin. And like in the beginning, it was like one or two people every 10. I was telling you, yeah, and, and you know, very, you, you could like, I'm talking 2013, 2014, no, early days. And, you know, maybe one or two knew about it. So that was awareness, not really understanding of it. I think you very likely in Latin America, you can ask anybody randomly in the streets and they will tell you at least they heard about it and they have a notion of it. Um, of course, not all of them understand it or know what it is for. But no, so maybe in, in the people who is excluded from the financial system, uh, it, it's less. Uh, there's less understanding in the ones that are unconnected that don't have access to a smartphone or the internet is completely unknown. So maybe have 20, 25 percent of the population that is still completely detached from the phenomenon. But the reminder, 75% already has some level of awareness and many more in the middle class already understand that this is a store of value they, they, they can use to escape you know, the, the inflation and volatility. I think Mauricio did a great job like depicting all the problems that Latin America shares. It's like unstable economies, most of the cases, some, some of them are more stable, but unstable economies with big inflation, lack of access to the very basic financial services, uh, like Mauricio mentioned, lending, and then remittances is a big problem because a lot of the money is lost. I mean, there's a lot of corridors, remittance corridors between different countries in Latin America, no? It's like uh, Chile with Peru, Argentina with Venezuela, and, and for example, there is a great case, uh, crypto market is using uh, the, the money on chain protocols to the stable assets on the money on chain protocols to send money from Argentina to their family in uh, in Venezuela. Sometimes they use that money to buy things instead of just sending the money. So it's very interesting the different patterns that are being found out. So those are the things that are happening. Latin America was always a place where people thought cryptocurrencies were going to make it. And I think now we are in a moment where that expectation might become a reality. It's like we are seeing this will be a domino effect. I, I have some, uh, there's some uh, senators in Paraguay that are already saying that they will push uh, for Bitcoin regulation within their country. So I think this might be the beginning. I think this, is the, this year is the beginning of mainstream adoption for crypto and Bitcoin in the world. And in particular in Latin America, this will create a momentum. And uh, I don't know where it's going, but it might be quite a ride. I have to say, it, it makes me very bullish on Latin America. Like Bitcoin in Latin America makes me want to go to Latin America. It really yeah. does make me <laughs> bullish. Um, Max, 
Um, I, I want to jump to you about the penetration and maybe you can give us a little bit more insight about, um, you know, Krypton market and how they're using money on chain. Uh, maybe you can even dive into these remittance corridors that Diego talked about. Well, I uh, agree with Diego about the, the awareness of Bitcoin in Latin America, especially in Argentina or Uruguay, everybody knows what Bitcoin is or have a, a notion about Bitcoin. Um, I think in the in the understanding side, we have a lot of work to do. But anyway, I think um, the understanding is is bigger in Latin America than in the first world, and that is that is basically because. Uh, people do things with Bitcoin. Bitcoin solves real problems in, in Latin America. Um, regarding your question about crypto market and the dollar on chain, well, people in Argentina are using the dollar on chain to send remittances to Venezuela and Colombia, and soon they are going to start um, remittances with El Salvador, with crypto, this company, crypto market. And they have also like an eBay, so you can buy basically anything with with your dollars on chain. Or for example, there is a very big company in Argentina that is called Mercado Libre. It's like the eBay from from Argentina or from Latin America. And you can buy, you, you can send the, you can send them the the link of Mercado Libre to them and, and buy whatever you want with dollar on chain. There are people using dollar on chain uh, for savings, and there are companies using dollar on chain for savings in Argentina. And I think we are going to see the same in probably in El Salvador and in Venezuela. That that is starting to happen. Wow, wow. So I mean, like, again, it's you know, I work for a company that we use Bitcoin as our treasury asset, but we are Bitcoin magazine, you know, that's all, that's all we live and breathe. But it's amazing to just see, you know, companies and people around the world starting to use these things and trust these things to hold value for them, which is the most, you know, effectively one of the most important services that you can, you can tap into. Yes. And, and it's a, you know, grassroots movement. Because maybe, you know, we have seen during the last year, like corporations, you know, Nasdaq listed companies like getting into Bitcoin in their treasuries. But that's like, um, you know, in this case, we are talking about regular people like uh, regular citizens like getting into it. So it's a, that's the other interesting thing in Latin America. It's a grassroots movement. You know? so, so we will see. It will be interesting to see how it develops. Yeah, actually, yeah, I, actually, my my salary, the max, is on dollar and chain right now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, one of my last questions was going to be, are how are people in South America using Bitcoin and crypto today? But it's, it's awesome to just hear the three of you talking about it. Um, I know that uh, you know Maurizio needs to leave soon. I don't if if he's the only one with the hard stop, we can keep going after he leaves. But Maurizio, I want to ask you, and I think that you know you may be building one of the more um, higher up on the stack solutions, you know, how far has the RSK ecosystem come, right? Um, you know, I feel like, again, RSK has really been getting a lot of acknowledgement recently and uh, a lot more volume in Bitcoin uh, porting over. But uh, to build, uh, you know, Tropicus, like, you know, how far has RSK come? Yeah, I, I think uh, that uh, DeFi for Bitcoin is fueling these uh like the grow of of RSK, it's. Uh, I think that some projects like Money on Chain, like Sovereign, and in the near future Tropicus, are, are taking advantage of the great work of of the team of of RSK, and the innovation also that it's on in, in Ethereum to bring financial services for for Latin Americans and and what Bitcoiners uh, need. So. Uh, I, I, I believe that this is just a starting, that, that is starting to, to, to explode, that, that, that is the, the, the opportunity that we, that we see because in, in Latin America, in, in my perspective, and not only in my perspective, the data say, say the same, Bitcoin is the king. 
Bitcoin is the cryptocurrency that is being used in, in the region. There are also adoption of stable coins without a, a doubt, uh, like dollar and chain and, and, and others. But uh, yeah, I see that uh, DeFi for Bitcoin will be built on, on, on RSK that is exploding right now. And it's very, very, very excited to be part of this ecosystem with all of these projects and, and leaders uh, to, to bring the financial services that the people most need that is the people of the developing countries. So yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting and exciting time. So Mauricio, I know you have a, an important meeting coming up, so I want to give you a chance to give your last word so you can drop off. But uh, Diego, Max, let's keep the conversation going. Mauricio, uh, we want to give your last word to the Bitcoin Magazine audience. Yeah, for sure. No, th- thank you for for inviting me. It was a pleasure and an honor honor to to share this this panel with Diego and and Max. Uh, yeah, we believe that crypto, Bitcoin, and smart contracts are the key to solving the the new wave of of financial or, or to bring the new wave of financial services for Latin Americans. We are working on that, and we invited all the people that have interest on on that vision to join us in the Telegram group or in the social media on to use or to use our testnet right now. And hopefully very, very soon we are going to be live and to use our uh, Tropicus finance protocol. And uh, thank you for inviting me. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining. Um, Diego, I mean, obviously you got to talk to you about how far RSK has come, um, but I'm sure the last few uh, months and uh, in particular, it's really, uh, I'm sure it's expanding your, your imagination. Uh, you want to jump in here? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's like um, I, there, there are interviews I gave at the end of 2015 talking about DeFi. Of course, I was not using the, the acronym, but I was talking about the decentralized finance. So RSK, RSK was born with the purpose of creating an environment where Bitcoin could interact with decentralized financial protocols. So after so many years, it, it took us, it was a, like um, a very big challenge to integrate in a safe way with Bitcoin to keep full alignment with Bitcoin. Um, because when you think about it, it's not only about creating a second layer protocol, but it's about in decentralized network safety or security is based on, on the economy that the networks host. So we needed to create this second layer also in full alignment with the Bitcoin economy and and the bitcoin infrastructure and i think that was a big challenge because the rsk blockchain don't have a separate token is using bitcoin the bitcoin the, the miners are the bitcoin miners uh, but we knew that although it was tougher to build it that way it was the right way to build the protocol that would last decades not not uh, a few years so so the focus was not on short term hype but on building really foundations for the financial system of the future. And this year, uh, RSK surpassed Lightning in total value lock. It's, it's uh, over 2,000 Bitcoins are locked in um, in RSK at the moment. So that's great. You no, know, Lightning keeps growing as well. So this is not a competition against the other layer two protocols, but, but it's important as a reference, reference point. It's like Lightning is one of the most respected layer two protocols uh, in the Bitcoin space and, uh, and RSK is, is getting a lot of traction thanks to, to these DeFi protocols, no? Sovereign, Money on Chain, Tropicus, a lot of protocols that are like bringing life and making this original vision a reality today. But for us, is this is only midway because we think, uh, you know, we need to, of course, have all the financial services in a decentralized form and that's what we have today. We have three uh, decentralized exchanges, some of the best, if not the best, stable asset protocols in the world. We have margin trading, lending protocols. So, so we have all the, those basics, but this is also how we reach the regular people, the people who is not into crypto, because crypto has grown a lot. Maybe you have three, 5% of the population, but the challenge is how we reach everybody. And that's part of the, the work we are doing this year very very heavily uh, at the organization I lead, uh, IOB Labs, to connect you know, the RSK economy, that is a global economy and part of the Bitcoin economy, to connect 
the RSK economy with the local economies. With the we are targeting four countries in Latin America. Very likely we will have El Salvador, but it's mostly Argentina, Venezuela, Colombia, and Mexico uh, to to make getting in and out of the RSK economy seamless and very easy uh, for any any person. And we are doing the same in Southeast Asia, in Indonesia, Vietnam, and Philippines, to demonstrate how you know the the Bitcoin ecosystem with the RSK ecosystem can provide solutions for the for the people. No, and and so this is like where where we see that we are finally connecting with the 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 mainstream users and not only serving the crypto community. But of course, you know the first wave is 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 happening thanks to the Bitcoiners, the, the old timers, but we want to take this into the hands of everybody. Uh, so, and the other thing is that we think we need also to have a truly decentralized internet infrastructure. So that's where Reef, Reef uh, protocols are. Uh, and, and we are also productizing and packaging these, these Reef protocols. So we not only have a truly decentralized financial system, but also a truly decentralized internet, because otherwise, you know the the this financial system we are building will be attacked through access to it so so you know you have maybe five corporations in the world that are controlling access you know the search engines the the marketplaces the app stores for mobile so so our next phase is while this defi as this defi ecosystem is starting to grow and and be su successful we are starting also to work on the following challenges like when this becomes mainstream, maybe five years from now, uh, we need to have three to five years from now, we need to have the tools to protect that sovereignty, that financial sovereignty. And that implies also to have you know, sovereignty on the infrastructure, on the internet, on the information level, and also solve the scalability problems of blockchains because blockchains you know, respond to a trilogy where if you want maximum security, you have to give away functionality and scalability. So you need to have ways of scaling. And that's also what Reef solves. Reef solves user experience problems, scalability problems, and interoperability problems. So, so we are already working on, on the technology that will enable this to go from 3-5% of the population into you know, more than 20% of the population and cross the chasm that any innovation wave has, no, that that difficult point. So, so no, I'm very happy. Uh, I'm, but we are still <laughs> years so away. So much more. The, yeah, we need to. Um, I mean, in terms of uh, you know crossing the chasm um, and making and being ahead of the curve, right? I feel like uh, RSKs and 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 Riff have kind of been ahead of and in place to kind of capture the momentum when it does finally come. So, um, you know, uh, I hope you can continue to repeat that. Um, Max, I want to I want to jump over to you with the same question about um, building on RSK and maybe even touch on, you know, how how to get, you know, average everyday people who are not Bitcoin enthusiasts, not smart contract enthusiasts using this technology uh, that you and, and Diego have built. Well, um, we are building a stablecoin protocol. So our stablecoin protocol can be easily used by Bitcoiners and, and people in the crypto world that know how to configure or, or set up a wallet and know how to save their, their words and know, know how to sign a transaction. But it's kind of difficult for the, the, the normal, real people on the street. So, uh, but there are another companies working on, on, on giving this solution to that people. And one very nice example of that is Defiant Wallet. Defiant is a, a wallet that was initially made to, to interact with RSK and specifically with DeFi with RSK. So they made a wonderful product that interacts directly with the mining on-chain protocol. You don't need to go to our site to issue or buy or sell token. And they are integrating uh, crypto markets and are integrating sovereign. So you can go from your pesos in your bank account to uh, 
earning a yield uh, on sovereign using dollar and chain with just two click. And, and that is amazing. And I think um, what will what will drive uh, adoption is uh, those kinds of, of tools. Awesome. I mean, and really, it's all about UX and, and making people familiar with exactly, you know, what they're getting, and then putting it in a format that that people are very familiar with. And it's been really impressive just kind of seeing the evolution, right? It's, uh, it's like, copying what's happening in fintech 10 times faster, but with so much more happening in the background, right? Um, but on, you know, eventually what people see, it's like, oh, this looks like the whatever fintech app I was using. Can you talk a little bit about like, you know, with adoption from large merchants, uh, like the one from Argentina that uh, that you mentioned, uh, like Kryptone uh, markets, like what kind of questions or interactions that you're getting from actual everyday users that are using dollar on chain? Like, it's really amazing looking at this website and just seeing everything denominated in Bitcoin and dollar on chain. Um, <laughs> so like, you're, you know, you're making a lot of progress here. Oh, yes. Um, well, uh, we don't run crypto markets, so we actually don't know what are the question of the people using crypto market. But I can tell you there is people using crypto markets from to buy from pizza to, uh, I don't know, whatever you imagine. The vegan pizza network, no? The, yes, exactly. And, and there, there is a big company in Argentina, but I don't remember the name of certain those also. But basically, you should ask crypto market people. And then electronics, I, I bought, yeah, some of my computers from them using dollar and chain. So, so I think it's a, it's great. I mean, the user experience keeps getting better and better. It's still not on pair with the Neobank, no, let's say N26 or Revolut or Venmo in the US, Walla in Argentina. So it's still not there, but it's getting closer and closer. And, and that's a little bit of what we have been building in the full stack in our scale. Like people will have nicknames instead of, and use nicknames instead of like addresses, the transactions with some layer three uh, aggregation payment systems will be instant. So from the in non-custodial systems, because that's, that's the challenge is like how we create infrastructure that can operate the same as a neobank, but it's truly centralized, it's non-custodial, you know, preserves the ethos of Bitcoin. And it's a process, of course, no, because you have some wallets integrating these services, but they are custodial, but still, you know, they have a, a gateway so people can get out of the custodial wallet into their own wallet. So it's not so bad. It's like custodial, more, mostly like exchange do, no, it's like you are temporarily in the hands of. And our final vision is we want a full financial system that is collectively created where you have the financial services, the people providing the apps, uh, but but the users are fully sovereign of their assets, their information, everything. No? So, but we are getting there and we're having like some very nice uh, wins in, in that experience. Like well, the ones you are so, you know, we kind of got down to the individual user adoption, but zooming back up to the impetus of this conversation, which is countries adopting Bitcoin, um, you know, everyone loves predictions. And at the same time, <laughs> everyone hates predictions, but I want to put you you two on the spot. Based on your on the ground knowledge, who's next? What's, uh, what, is there uh, any, are there any predictions on which country in Latin America is next or maybe globally? Uh, I'll, I'll start off with Max and then, and then go to Diego. Well, I, I have no clue really. Maybe Paraguay, but I have no clue. I, I'm just guessing. I think dollarized economies very likely are the ones of small jurisdictions are the ones that, uh, that can be first movers. Maybe in different flavors. Maybe it's not necessarily because I think for a country, for example, to do some a more progressive move, you know, an option could be to have Bitcoin as a reserve asset instead of like, uh, and of course, adding it as legal tender, but not as the main currency. That would be, I think, that would be the combination. And in the future, what I think we will have is like 
stable assets that are also politically neutral. For example, you can create a stable asset based on on indexes of commodities, the things that people need to live day by day, and that can have stability because commodities more or less have stable prices and be more connected to the needs of people instead of to political needs. No, so I think we'll see different evolutionary models, but I think it, there will be it will be small jurisdictions because they have is the innovate innovators dilemma. No, if you are the incumbent, you don't want to innovate too much. You are already <laughs> top of the game. Uh, so it will be small jurisdictions, very likely the ones that have uh, a lot of instability or hyperinflation or the ones that are dollarized and have no control of their of their um, monetary system. So they have less to lose because the ones that are already having like monetary policies and injecting, that's like uh, an addiction, it's, it's a drug. No, It's like if you already have the monetary policies in place, giving away that is very tough. So I, I, I expect them, the ones that have monetary systems that are like completely collapsing, or the ones that have monetary policy systems that don't they don't control would be the more willingly to innovate and go this path. The other ones might incorporate, as I said, Bitcoin as legal tender as part of the central bank reserves, but I don't see them like immediately moving into, into Bitcoin like El Salvador did. Yep, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, while it's interesting to think of a country doing the same thing that El Salvador d did, I think what's more likely is the permissionless adoption that's happening. And that's what you two are, are really on the forefront of. Uh, you know, I think maybe a country making Bitcoin legal tender maybe happened faster than a lot of Bitcoiners thought. But um, in terms of like adoption, Bitcoiners are pretty impatient with uh, the on the ground <laughs> adoption. Uh, gentlemen, it was great having you both on the show. Um, I want to give you both a chance to kind of close out and plug yourself. Diego, let's start with you and then close it out with Max. Uh, as I said, this is a year where Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies mass adoption starts, not only because of what we discussed today, but there's a lot of other trends like what's happening with NFTs and, and different areas where other parts of the society that were untouched are getting involved into crypto. So I think this is the beginning of mass adoption for crypto, Bitcoin and crypto in general. And, uh, and I think Latin America, as I said, will be at the core of it, mostly because of the financial needs more than the other movements. But I see Latin America uh, as, as one of the epicenters of, of this revolution. So I'm happy we got to this point after so many years of evangelizing, <laughs> building technology, building communities. I think our moment has come to see, you know, the fruits of, of that, that much, all the work we have been doing. So. Well, cheers and bullish for South America and, and Latin America in general. Max. Yes. Uh, well, I think that this is a huge opportunity for Bitcoin and for the Bitcoin community because now um, we have kind of a responsibility to make the things work for El Salvador. So I think this is a, a wonderful cha challenge for the Bitcoin community in general and, and in particular for Latin American Bitcoin community. Where can people find you, Max? Sorry? Where can people find you? I didn't get you. Sorry, where, where, where can people find you online? Find you online. Yeah. Oh, um, you can find me on Twitter at AxMaxCarcusa and much more easy, you can go to manionchain.com and we have a community page there. Awesome. All right. Well, again, gentlemen, great to have you. Everyone follow both Diego and Max. Go follow Mauricio. Go follow the Tropicus Project. Um, check out what's happening in South America and check out what's happening in the RSK ecosystem. But until then, catch me at Bitcoin Magazine and at CK underscore Snarks uh, and keep sacking sacks. Peace. Thank you, CK. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. 
You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research. Thank you.